Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 596 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Todd, starting two weeks in a row. What have we all done to deserve this? Hey, my uh, my beautiful voice, you know, brings the people in, but they stay for you, Joe. Now, they have no choice, because once they're listening, I lock the doors, and then they can't that leave. Yeah. That's right. You put the chains on the doors. Like yeah. Morgan Freeman in that school movie. Remember that movie? So he, there was like a bunch of those school movies around that same time. Right. I forget the name of the one. So my joke was going to be, I was going to say the wrong one on purpose. Right. But you might've got the right one. I might've got the right one. Cause there was <laughs> right. the one with Edward James Olmos. Mm-hmm. And that was Stand and Deliver, right? Right. What was the name of the one with Morgan Freeman? I have no idea. I just remember the line, everybody calls me Crazy Joe. Well, now they can call me Batman. Yes, right. The, the Louisville Slugger. It was a prequel to the Batman movie, which comes out this weekend. Oh, yeah, that's right. And didn't he play uh, Lucius Fox in a Batman like trilogy? Yeah, in the the Nolan movies. Self-fulfilling prophecy, I tell you. He knew back then in 1989 or 90, whenever that movie came out. That's right. He was being like, I'll be in a Batman movie someday. Maybe I'll even be Batman. But alas, it took him too long, Joe. Yeah. Again, shelf life on everything. So what do we got on the uh, show today while I look up the name of that movie? (laughs) Okay. In news, we have more Fortnite comics. Ooh. Comicsology doing damage control, and we don't mean the damage control comic, Joe. Um, Marvel Netflix shows, new Al Ewing and Tom Riley miniseries, um, and uh, someone with a top tier rogues gallery gets a new creative team. Hmm, I wonder who that could be. Um, <laughs> what we read last week, which was both Human Target number five and Saga fifty six. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues, also known as the battle for second place, a.k.a. the silver standards of rogues galleries, Todd's art attack, and finally at the end of the show, spoiler-filled talk of the For Your Emmy Consideration episode of Legends (laughs) of Tomorrow. Uh, Am I wrong, though? Am I wrong? Uh, We'll get into it. Right, right. And the Morgan Freeman movie we're thinking of is Lean On Me. Oh, that's right, because of the song and everything. They had the, uh, they had the acapella group and everything that sang Lean On Me. Yeah. There was a period of time in the late 80s, early 90s, where there was all like, so-and-so is going to come, this unlikely person's going to come in and clean up this school. Mm-hmm. I like I like the uh, exploitation versions of them where it's like it's the future and the teachers are robots. Right. What was the one? Uh, there was like a bunch of you go to school and you get murdered kind of a deal by robots. Class of 1984. Yes, which had an Al, a weird Alice Cooper soundtrack song. It's the only reason I know that movie. But anyway, right. All right. Tons of news. Let's get into it. <laughs> Uh, what's good for the goose, DC, is good for the gander, Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, because Marvel is going to be doing a Fortnite comic book as well, uh, this summer, 
Um, is it a mi- it's a it is another miniseries? Uh, Donald Mustard, not a colonel, and right. Christos Gage, who did the uh, DC miniseries, are going to be handling the writing chores on this, and it's going to be the same gimmick like they did with the Marvel or the DC one. Where you buy the book and you get a code and it redeems stuff in the game, right? Right. And a couple things, um, you know, Christos Gage getting to be the Fortnite comic book guy. Uh, that's a nice. That's a nice paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, and to do it across two different companies, right? You know, eh, no. it's nothing to sneeze at. You know. Good for him. Hey, maybe he'll actually do the next DC Marvel Fortnite crossover. There you go. Um, and they announced it now, um, you know, three months in advance gives, um, you know, people who have small children who definitely play Fortnite mm-hmm. plenty of time to go and reserve their copies. Right. Uh, are you going to be getting one? Probably. Of course. My kid's a Fortnite kid, so I got to get things right. Okay. Now there's yeah. a, t- there's a ton of Star Wars stuff. In there, so I and with Marvel having the Star Wars property, one would assume uh, right around the corner is going to be like the Star Wars Fortnite comic book as well. You know, I would not doubt it. Yeah. So that's all. Again, I'm just saying, you know, if you have a small child <laughs> who plays Fortnite and really wants this, you have plenty of time to get on top of it, right? Yep. Uh, other big news, I guess, going from, like, the biggest to the smallest. Uh, also, this upcoming June, uh, Chip Zadarsky and Jorge Jimenez are going to be the new creative team on the main Batman book. Batman, starting with issue 125. Um, and I say that's a big deal, uh, for several reasons. Uh, right now, Josh Williamson is on it, and one would assume... Uh, he could have stayed on it, but he's doing so much at DC, kind of, you know, makes the decision to, you know, what have you, right? Mm-hmm. And Zdarsky is someone who, you know, kind of is a goofball, you know, but can write a good crime-related book. Um, and he did say on his substack that he is still going to be doing Daredevil at the same time as doing this, which is kind of uh, quite the juxtaposition there. Um, to see a non like DC exclusive non-contract guy being the guy who's in the main Batman book. Yeah, I I mean, I was actually kind of shocked when this one came across the desk. Yeah, yeah. Because like Joshua Williams is like like obviously he's going to have that big crossover with uh Deathstroke and Robin or whatever that that storyline is. And then he's out. I was actually kind of shocked because it seems like, you know, that like of books that that's probably going to be at DC your best selling title. So like you're going to get residuals from that. I'm like, well, if you're going to go do other stuff, go do other stuff. The only thing that makes me sad is uh, Ch- Chip Zdarsky both doing Daredevil and Batman. I'm going to get Batman. I don't get Daredevil, but I've really, really, really come around on his new burn from Image. And I just have a feeling like that's going to get few and far between on the issues, if you know what I mean. So, sure. But like, it's, it's hey, gonna it's gonna fall below Stillwater's status. Yes, it is, and I'm like, good for him. Make those checks, um, and I'm all for it. But like, I do like the independent stuff a little bit more. But who knows? I haven't read his Batman stuff yet. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, also, uh, to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Ant-Man. Because, of course, we are. And he's got a movie coming out. And he's got a movie coming out. Uh, Al Ewing and Tom Riley are going to be doing a new Ant-Man miniseries over at Marvel starting in the summer. And it's going to address the people that have been Ant-Man before. Hank Pym, uh, Scott Lang, Aaron O'Grady. And then they're going to debut a brand new Ant-Man with a new fancy, funky look. Right. I like Al Ewing. Ant-Man's another one of those guys like Hawkeye that I'm always a sucker for. Anytime there's a new Ant-Man or Ant-Man-related series, I'm always going to pick it up. And, uh, you know, they're trying to make, uh, they're trying to hip them up for the younger folks. I'm, you know. I mean, giving, giving them the old antennae. But yeah. I, yeah, I'm like, eh, whatever. I'm, I'm a sucker for older costumes, but I understand doing it up. Uh, we'll see because it's going to be kind of like a legacy uh, book. Uh, the miniseries, like how all these Ant-Man uh, tie together. Um, I'm I'm kind of interested in that because I'm always a sucker for a legacy book. I'm an Al Ewing guy, but I, this isn't like, oh my God, to the top of my list just because of the, the equation. Like I'm like, eh, Ant-Man, I like Ant-Man, but uh, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it, but I'm not like, sh- sh- I don't think this will be at the front of the list if you get my meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one uh, other thing, um, starting in two weeks, as you're listening to this, uh, Disney Plus is going to be adding all of the previous Netflix Marvel shows, plus Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Punisher, and Defenders mm-hmm. will all be coming. Now, you and I uh, previously going over the notes, and I know I think I've mentioned it here on the show, uh, or at least elsewhere, that... Um, there are no R-rated movies on Disney Plus in the United States. Right. Uh, there are people that do those VPNs that like can like mask where they are, so they could get different streaming services from like the the Netflix from Canada or the you know whatever from this country, so they can get like the other content that's on those sort of things. And one thing that a lot of people did was they would get the non-US Disney Plus. So they can get the R-rated movies. Mm -hmm. Because they're there, they're just not in the United States. And Mm -hmm. you would question, like, wow, I'm surprised these shows are coming to Disney+, Plus, right? Right. So doing the little bit of scraping that I did, uh, within the next two weeks, um, Disney Plus is going to be rolling out a update, a something, right? Mm -hmm. To the streaming service. Um, that is going to have you as a subscriber update your settings. And part of that is going to give you the ability to allow TV 14 and up content on your Disney plus. Right. So you can keep the kids out of it if you want. And I think I even read somewhere like you can, or you can do both where you can have a code where if you're a parent, you want like, okay, the kids can get in there at any time. They can have their ducktails and you know, rescue Rangers. And then like, okay, I could watch the uh, Jessica Jones show if I want. I just got to put in the code. I like that. That seems smart. And I think that'll bring around more stuff. I don't think like we'll be getting like Pulp Fiction on Disney right. Plus anytime soon, but it opens doors, man. Right. If you have the content in your library and then you have a library, but then you don't allow people like, it's like, no, no, you, I, we know and you know that we have these movies, 
We're just not going to put them in the library. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously, like most any streaming streaming service, you could set up profiles for your kids. How old is the user on this thing? And then it age restricts it automatically. But when they go in, you know, it's like, all right, well, I want to watch R-rated stuff. So I'm picking my profile, I'll pick dad's profile or whatever it is, right? Right. So I'm assuming what it's going to just be is if you're choosing one of the different profiles, there's going to be a pin you have to put in or, right. you know, I, you know, my kid's not going to be looking to watch Daredevil. I'm not going to be looking to watch Punisher. He's watching The Simpsons, right? Right. Uh, not on YouTube? No, not on you. We have Disney Plus now. Right. No, you should get it on YouTube. It's much better. Condensed. Mm. You just get the best. Yeah, you just get jokes cut off in the middle of jokes. You get parts of episodes. It's fantastic. <laughs> Look at me setting you off. But anyway. It's not an infuriating deal that my kid hasn't done in three weeks, but I still have Twitches over it. Right. Twitch is uh, something completely different, but go ahead. But I guess this is coupled with these shows coming to Disney+. Plus. Um, Charlie Cox, I guess, said over the weekend somewhere that um, they're going to be making more Daredevil, or he's going to be doing, like, he didn't say they're going to do another season of Daredevil. He said he's going to be reprising his role as Daredevil. Right. And everything that I kind of heard, too, was like, uh, maybe we'll, like, we'll cherry pick Daredevil stuff. But if, like, we go in a different direction, like, we can we can end up contradicting anything in the Netflix Daredevil shows. And it's like, oh, what it is. Because that Daredevil and this Daredevil are two different, you know, uh, universe Daredevils. Because that's what we could do now. Everything, you know, is, is if we don't like it, we could just put it off into this other uh, universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Multiverse. And last but not least... Uh, we have to mention that, of course, the ongoing saga, no pun intended, in regards to what's going on with Comixology. Um, Amazon slash Comixology did release a press release um, addressing some of the issues, but not actually fixing them. Right. Um, th- their whole thing is essentially like, yeah, yeah, we want you to go to the app. But if you're <laughs> going to still do things to the website... Um, you know, we did make it clear uh, where the new releases of books are mm-hmm. so you could find them. Um, if you've purchased stuff prior to the update, you can go and look at the library of stuff that you own. You can't read it, but it's there. And that's really about it. Yep. I honestly don't have much to say on this because this is why I buy physical copies joe yeah it's just that you know like i said listen i'm a physical copy guy there's been a couple things you know my digital life started when uh dc decided not to finish out rebels and trade and i had to get the end of the story digitally (laughs) you know look at you hitting all your greatest hits driving joe nuts it's like it's like a new it's like this is somebody's first episode right so right right. we got to get all my bits in um Mm -hmm. but you know it's it's i still look i still like the check i mentioned it last week um, sometimes if it's, you know, something that we do get digitally that I've have connected through my comiXology, whatever, sometimes it's just easier to have it up in the browser while we're doing the show to like, oh, like for reference points or whatever, instead of having the physical book in my hands, but I can access my library. But when I go to actually read something that's in my library that I've already paid for, it tries to make me pay for it again still. Okay. But at least my library is in one place now. I'll take your word for it. Right. Um, but again, if 
if and when we hear more stuff, we'll, of course, talk about it here, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, there's conventions this weekend, but no big conventions. And I'm kind of torn on how to handle this anymore, right? Right, because when I saw no big ones and no information, I just went, I'm not mentioning conventions. Yeah, because, like, there wasn't, like, there was a couple last weekend, and then our good buddy DJ went to that one in New Jersey. Ooh. Which I got a DM. I'm like, oh man, next time you gotta let me know. And he's like, oh, you didn't want to go to this dirt mall one. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. I'm torn because, like, obviously we could just say like whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, here's the list of the 14 different dirt mall conventions that are happening this weekend. But you know, we always like to say it's like, oh, it's interesting to see this person doing a signing, or like, mm-hmm. oh, you can get the combo photo op with, you know, these six people from starsky and hutch or whatever it is right right those are the fun things to talk about so i'm starting to lean if we start to see more in like our area but this is a worldwide podcast we have people that listen like all over the united states all over the world yep so like if we're just talking about like oh there's a great one at a dirt mall in philly this weekend and there's no you know i I think like there's one like called ZoloCon this weekend in the philly area Right. It's listed on the comic book conventions, but it's more of a toy show. And, you know, after dark is where toys are discussed, not here. <laughs> yeah. right? yep. I know a guy who'll go, though. I know a guy who'll go, too. But, you know, so uh, nothing big this weekend. But, you know, mm-hmm. there's always conventions going around. If you know where your local ones are um, ahead of time, let us know. And we'll be sure to do our best to kind of plug things here, you know. Yeah, I was trying to strong arm some people into going to Fan Expo Philly, but looks like people will be, you know, busy doing concerts and maybe out of the country. I don't know anymore. Right. Um, but uh, some other things that you could certainly check would be soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. All the shows in the soon to be named network, anytime they go live uh, or the folks on those shows go on other shows, you could certainly find them there, all in one stop shop. Whether it be this show that you're listening to, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Hit My Music, Wings on Wings, or Porch Talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also check out in the show notes of every one of these episodes uh, some of our friends, uh, Kevin Hellions, who's regularly doing uh, wrestling and comic book adjacent stuff, uh, pop culture adjacent stuff. I know he just... Um, did an interview with a creator who does like this uh, cat comic called Cream Made. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he did an interview with them about their project coming up. So again, Kevin does a little bit more of the uh, fringes of the indie side of things. Go check out Rick Williams, the Chop Shop over at FreeKarateShops.StoreEnvy.com. All the cool uh, resin glow-in-the-dark, sci-fi, fantasy, wrestling stuff that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. We do have working links for those, uh, even in the event of the current Comixology Amazon switch over. And if you want a physical comic book shop, uh, a good one, maybe you don't have a good one in your area, or maybe you just don't have one at all, let our comic book shop, Comics on the Green, be your comic book shop. Uh, I know Todd's been going there much longer, but I'm coming up on my 30-year anniversary of going to the shop. Uh, You know what? I don't think it's much longer for me. I want to say 30, 31 years I've been going. Right. 
because I was uh, a newsstand kid for the longest time. And, uh, you know, we're going to get there uh, in this year in uh, previewing the past over on the Patreon. But uh, it was Death of Superman that got me going like I need a regular comic book store now, you know. I had a regular comic book store until I found out what kind of a cretin mine was in Dixon City, and then I went to Scranton. There you go. I think you may have heard the underground stories of uh, Dominic from Comic World and Dixon, Joe. I think we've discussed it on After Dark and then discussed it even deeper off air. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes, I'm well aware. Right. Uh, but yes, uh, so if you're not in the greater northeastern Pennsylvania area, they, over at Comics on the Green, do a fantastic mail order subscription service. Uh, you get your stuff sent to you once a week, uh, every two weeks, once a month, however it is. There's a good chance you might get a sketch from our good friend Becky uh, on your package, and you can go check out her process over on her social media. All this stuff is linked up in the show notes that accompany every single one of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get into what we read from this past week, if we can. Uh, and I'm going to kick things over to you to start things off. And I'm going to start with the book that uh, I was looking forward to most, which was The Human Target, number five, written by Tom King, art by Greg Smallwood. The continuing adventure of the human target, Christopher Chance, trying to figure out who murdered him while he was, or who uh, you know poisoned him while he was disguised as Lex Luthor. And this chapter, he decides that he's going to basically check in on Martian Manhunter from the Justice League International. And but instead of most of that story, we get uh, the backstory of Christopher Chance, kind of his origin story. And also how um, he's going to deal with someone who has the ability to read minds. And we get a backstory of him meeting uh, a woman from Titan who is, in case uh, you don't know, is uh, the planet from like especially Legion of Superheroes where uh, Saturn Girl's from. And she has, you know, the ability to read minds and stuff like that. So he ends up she ends up teaching him and how all that works in this and then like the secret that john jones is keeping um i found interesting um the artwork in this once again is completely beautiful as it transitions back and forth between all the people who uh, are you know kind of sleeping with with each other and it just transitions beautifully um i will say of the five issues that i've read um this was kind of and this is a bad word to use the weakest of the issues because like four blew me away. This was a bit uh, of a dip down, but I did like the whole thing taking place and how they explain it over passing the salt. Um, I really enjoyed this. And then I went back and I looked at uh, Christopher chances origin. I believe it was in either action 422 or whatever. And, uh, Tom King and Greg Smallwood take it like that whole thing with his father begging for his life is taken word for word, panel for panel from his original origin. The only difference is that the killer has a heart tattooed on his face in the original and this one he doesn't, but I'm like, like, wow, like how corny it stands out in this because it's actually from like, you know, whatever year, 1980, whatever. Um, I just found that fascinating. But once again, I'm a sucker for this. 
I'm enjoying it. I'm a JLI guy. Uh, I love. I, I could go on about like a million things in this story, but I don't want to slow the show down, Joe. So I like this episode. I'm with you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode, this issue. Um, so because typically in an issue like this, we'll have sometimes two narratives. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we seem to have three narratives going on at the same yeah. time, mm-hmm. it kind of made things not tough to follow, but just a little disjointed. Okay. Um, a lot of times when a storyteller, and again, listen, Tom King is on a different level as a storyteller. Um, Smallwood's art is remarkable, to say the least, right? Mm-hmm. Even with those things in the way, a lot of times when you get someone who tells a story like this from two or in this instance, three different vantage points, we get things lining up a little bit easier to kind of show the symmetry. And I make the joke, the poetry. So it rhymes sort of thing. <laughs> right. Or we'll get something where each page or each set of two pages are split into three panels each. Mm-hmm. Right. Where it's like one, two, three. So we're getting to see all three stories or both stories working alongside each other or we're even going to get like two pages of the first one two pages of the next one two pages of the next one and then rinse repeat this followed none of those structures so did not make this story less enjoyable it just made it a little bit tougher to follow yeah but I, like i said I, that's part of the thing it's it seems like it's supposed to be all the like the chaoticness of the battle in the brains, if you sure. will. And, and I mean, it, and it works. My only problem with, and I did, the, the one thing I will say about this, all the other ones, I read one through four. I reread because I wanted to. This is the first one I had to reread because I had to. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it, right? And, like, one of the things, like, I love Greg Smallwood's art. Like, we've been over that. Like, I do like the way that I know immediately what the flashback to either him as a kid. Because technically there's four timelines. Um, but, uh, and then him with Irma, the, 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 the woman from Titan, he's a young-looking Christopher Chance. So it all works Really well. The only thing that threw me off was that they were working for Raisha. One of he was he was getting help from one of Raisha Ghoul's guys, and he was a bald guy. And I kept thinking he was Lex Luthor, just because any bald man in a DC comic has to be Lex Luthor, especially uh, so. when you've established that Lex Luthor is an integral part of the story. Right, and it's not like an overweight bald guy. Like the body build was kind of like Lex Luthor. So I'm mm-hmm. like. Uh, whatever. Like that was my one thing. I was like, oh, okay, this is one of Raisha's henchmen because when something happens with him later that uh, the human target helps Irma out with, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And I went back and I read it. But going back and uh, rereading it, I I like this issue much more once I I I got a hold on it. And I like I like to think that somewhere in the world I'm going to be Christopher Chance and Ice, but I'm more Martian Manhunter and Fire. <laughs> There you go. That's all I'm going to say. If you've read this issue, you get it. And the only other thing that I have to say, you know, we'll address it here because we're going to have to address it again in a month. Mm-hmm. But when well, the next issue comes out, they're going on a hiatus to September. Yeah. And they're because they're trying to figure out how to bring DC characters back at Substack, Joe. 
But no, like that broke my heart. I was like, oh, because we're going to go in and blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be like, uh, uh, what's the book? The one, uh, the, uh, Nice House on the Lake. And it's got momentum and everybody's enjoying this book. I mean, does it give Greg Smallwood time to do the art I, I, and Tom King to write it? Yes, but, but you were on such, you know what I mean? Like, these are the kind of things that I worry about. Uh, that can derail the book because I've talked about it before. I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, The Last Ronin. I do not care about it now because it's so late. And uh, the other book, uh, what's the other book? Um, Batman Catwoman, because that's, I don't know if I'd like that or not because it never comes out. You it's know such I mean? a, so, I, I, you know, I could pull spreadsheets and see like how sporadic the schedule is and was on it, you know? Right, right. But at least with this, uh, human target, and at least with nice, nice house, house in the lake, um, we joke, but at least these feel planned to an extent. Um, I think this may not be the most optimal way for momentum, mm-hmm. but at the very least, what is better for momentum? Taking a six month break in between six issue storylines, yep, or it's each issue taking two to three months in between each issue to come out. Right. And that's the only thing that gives me a lot of hope because like nice house on the lake and human target, they are 12 issue miniseries that are going to come out in two, six issues, uh, hard covers or trades, then maybe a full like 12 issue, whatever. But the stories are pretty much designed yeah. to cliffhanger or end at six and so it does it It, let me just put it this way i'm being a baby and greedy and i want my human target (laughs) like when six comes out i want seven next month i don't want to wait six months but that comes down to it but like you said the way they're doing it gives me hope and it's way better than a three-year hiatus like saga now i'll i i hate to put this into the cosmos right 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 but um, I'm go- I'm about to do it. Don't do it. I'm gonna say, if DC really wants to squeeze you for your money, mm-hmm. um, they could put out um the director's cuts of those first six issues over the next six months. I'm buying them. See, there you go. I, oh, Joe, all right, listen, <laughs> listen. I don't I don't play wacky by every like i like my completest stuff but when they said that when issue six comes out it's gonna you know tie into the first hardcover part i'm like just order it i'm i'm ordering the hardcover of human target one through six as soon as it comes out then when they do the trade of human target one to six I'm buying that too. And then when they do the the, tr- the hardcover and the trade of, you know, seven through 12, I'm buying those. And then when they do the big oversized hardcover of one to 12, I'm buying that. And Joe, when they do the absolute of one to 12, I'm buying that too. Rinse and repeat with Justice League International, no brainer for Todd. And if they do those director's cuts with annotate, give me like three, three issues at a shot and I'll pay seven ninety nine nine ninety nine. Here's, Here's my checkbook. Fill in whatever you think is fair. And I, I, I'm glad I have self control for one of us, right? Mm-hmm. Of the two podcasts that I do, I'm glad I'm the one with self control. Because at least I could sit here and say it's like, 
Well, as long as Tom King sticks the landing, I'll just buy the absolute afterwards. Right. But, I mean, now, let's say this. Let's say this. If he completely blows this up, he's going to have to wreck this. Like, I don't know how I'm going to feel at the end. We'll discuss it then. But I'm going on the vibe I'm getting from the first five issues. Do you know what I mean? Sure. I don't want to, like, you know, you know, shoot this this book in the foot. And we'll see. We we will we will see because in the end, I might like I will get all twelve issues regardless. But then they get may get buried in the back behind the issues after the Jurgens run in the Justice League International <laughs> run. We'll see. But I don't know. I'll you let know, you. I'll let you know when we get there. That's a year from now, right? If my gazintas are correct. And issue seven comes out in September. That means issue 12 will be coming out February of 2023. Stop it. Don't. Don't, man. You're breaking my heart. Listen, I'm a realist. And, and Joe, you know, no book has ever been late before after going on hiatus. Well, so, okay. So that's the thing. We're spending a lot of time on this. But I feel as though DC, you know, after however many years of doing it this way, have figured out when these marquee creators come with a boutique maxi series, they build in these breaks now. Like they've done it at least twice that we could think of. Mm-hmm. And that helps with that lateness. Yeah, but you know what? The book shouldn't be late. How about that? All right. Well, listen. Let's- Let's just grab an issue of Human Target out of the out of the out of the case, so that we have an issue of Human Target on the shelves, right? Yeah, whatever. We got a couple journeyman fill-in issues in the uh, the bookcase, right? Well, hey, just get King of the Fill-in, and you know the deadline, Kevin McGuire, to do it, Joe. Oh my goodness! What do you want to cover six months from now? Right, me, uh, my Matt Cordona. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't want to end anyway. Let's move on. Right. What, what, what about what you were looking forward to most, Joe? All right. Saga number 56. Um, you know, and I, I don't, I would never say that the first issue was shaky, but you know, after being off for three years, you know, it is a little tough to kind of get back into everything. Uh, there are a lot of new characters being introduced. Um, but at least with these characters, we're kind of thrown right into it. I'll just say we have our B story. Uh, where they address the fate of Prince Robot the Fourth, mm-hmm. and how his people are going to deal with that and handle that. Right. Uh, but I would say the main part of the story was uh, the previous issue fifty five ended with the cliffhanger of the pirates uh, kind of taking over Alana's and Hazel's ship with their very small slipshod crew. And while they are smuggling drugs, these pirates have discovered that they are also having a secret stash of fadeaway. And if you know anything about the saga storyline, everything in regards to Alana and fadeaway, and it's addressed here. Um, and these pirates that take over the ship seem real nice and real accommodating. And they got a bunch of other kids, and they have a band, and everything's cute and fun, and there's like a little frog boy, and all this other stuff. And then it takes a turn at the very end, right? What? And I ain't gonna give out no spoilers, 
Um, and I hate to say this, but um, never trust a pirate in a comic book. What? Unless they're a raider. But anyway, um, I'm with you. And I like the way you started all this off with, like, you wouldn't call Saga 55 shaky. But I was discussing this with somebody. And it was like, well, they were like, oh, like, you, you, you were looking forward to human target more than saga i said yeah because when i read saga 55 i felt saga was back but saga wasn't back if that makes any sense and now like with the kind of the thing going on where like it's like oh everything is you know hunky dory and then like you said you maybe don't trust a pirate i'm like okay, we're sliding back into, like, the quality and what I like about Saga. I mean, I, I could go on, but I'm just going to, re like, tread over everything that you said. But, yeah, I feel like we're we're getting back to, like, Saga the way I remember it. And yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And Fiona Staples, like, you know, just, like, the, looking over this, like, seeing, a, like, Alana, like, because it's a few years, like, just tacking that little bit of age on Alana without making her, like, look, like, old, like, just everything. It, it's just, it's good to have Saga back, and we're getting there. So. Absolutely. It, yeah. it just, like I said, it just took an issue, two issues to get back into the swing of things, you know? Right. And uh, I feel as though we are uh, into the swing of things, you know? Right. So that's what we read from, again, obviously not as much time. Because, again, there's a lot more spoilery stuff that I don't want to give away. If you're not reading Saga, you really should be. Yes, like, get on that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday at noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, God forbid, uh, get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books. Uh, let's move everyone to get your books in print anymore, huh? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Just for uh, ease of use, huh? Mm -hmm. uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd has three correct guesses over me. And uh, he is in the pole position here as he uh, started the show two weeks in a row. Yep. And I'm looking over your list. And I could do the bit that I did last week, but I'm not going to. And I'm just going to say, is it Nice House on the Lake number seven you're looking forward to most, Joe? It is. And I would guess that's also the same book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week. And now uh, pull the rug out from underneath me and tell me that it's War for Earth 3 number one or some such nonsense. How did you know? Uh -huh. No, it, it is Nice House on the Lake, number seven. For sure. Um, you know, we kind of teased it a little bit. This is a book that is successfully um, doing the bit where they're taking the time off so that they could fully tell the story that they need to tell. And uh, as this, you know, and this is part of what hopefully we're going to see. And obviously the, the model and image was a little bit different the model at DC for something like this, but more times than not, whenever there's a new story and it hits a new book and it hits and that next story arc comes out from image, the first trade is out the same day. And that's, what's going on here. The first trade of nice house on the lake comes out today right. as you're listening to this. So if you didn't read it, you're hearing our voice, go to your comic book store, buy the trade and then buy issue seven. You will not be disappointed. 
And if you don't want the trade, there's probably like a billion reprints of one through six by now. Exactly. So um, you'd be foolish not to check out this book. Uh, one of the better books of 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done before, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and the current ongoing uh, filler of the slot for Todd and Joe Have Issues, the Silver Standard, uh, comp- seeing who has the second best rogues gallery of all time, uh, whether it be Batman or Spider-Man, and... Uh, I'm not gonna say that I'm uh I'm I'm not doing too well in this uh battle here. What? I thought I'd be doing much better. I knew you were, I was just gonna say, I don't know. I I make no excuses, uh, but not to say that I'm not a little disappointed. No. Uh but as we uh end the voting here, Tweedledee and Tweedledum <laughs> move on to the next round. Yep. And uh, now it is time for us to uh, pit our next competitors against each other. Yep. And uh, I'm going to go first. Okay, because I'm just going to I'm just going to sit back and glide through the rest of this. But go ahead. Okay. Uh, so my uh, Spider-Man villain is William Turner. You might know him better as Mindworm, mm-hmm. and I know you're going to say you might know him better. No one knows who this character is. I think he's had a total of five appearances in Spider-Man comics uh, since he debuted whenever it was, I think, like, in the 70s. Okay. Um, do you know uh, uh, Hank Henshaw from Green Lantern? Yes. Imagine Hank Hank Henshaw in a yellow striped crop top. Right. I've seen the picture. Right. And uh, he was a low level mind control uh, villain for Spider-Man. Uh, he had like some sort of like heightened agility and that was really about it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, due to many failed plans, and at least there was three because we had about four or five appearances, uh, he ended up being homeless and uh, was murdered by a street gang. Oh. So a very sad character with a hilarious look and uh, a tragic end. So, uh, again, if there ever was a Mort character on Spider-Man's side, Mindworm is a nobody, never had. But he has a goofy look that he looks like a 50s villain, but he debuted in 1974. So there's absolutely no excuse for him to look the way that he does. Yes, yes. Now let's see if my character can end up beating your character who has obviously skipped leg day every day of his life. Oh my goodness. So uh, my character is the spinner all the way back from uh, Batman 129, where his gimmicks are things that spin. Um, so yes, like he would send a giant top after Batman and Robin at one point because Batwoman was in these stories at the time. He ends up, uh, uh, you know, tying her to a giant spinning fan that's going to kill her if it goes too fast. He once uh, blinds both Batman and Robin with a, and I say, a spinning fan with colored glass 
a, a giant colored glass impregnated fan. I only impregnated a fan. I'll never know. But uh, he ends this up. This is the all ages that. show. So tread, tread lightly. Right. Um, he ends up uh, blinding them with that. Um, there's a whole side uh, uh, hustle that he's got going where he's a swami and then he has his thugs end up stealing, not so much stealing uh, prized possessions, but moving them so people will come to him and then pay him because he's a psychic and tell him where it's at because his henchmen moved it. And I'm not really sure how that all plays into his other gig as the spinner. Um, and then even on top of that, getting into it, uh, Batman get down with what he's doing and they end up doing stuff like, oh, to fight the spinner, I'm going to use a roundhouse punch. Get it, Joe? A roundhouse. And Robin steals a page out of Charlotte's book and he does a cartwheel at them. And then they end up using a giant fan to stop bullets. It's a spinning motif. Have you gotten that yet, Joe? And then he has a terrible... I don't know. Looks like a pipe cleaner costume. I'm not 100% sure. But the spinner sucks, Joe. I will say, uh, in support of the spinner, there is a rogue on the greatest rogues gallery of all time, the Flash, the top, Mm -hmm. whose gimmick is also spinning. So if he has emulated someone from the greatest rogues gallery of all time, he can't be bad. Well, see, what happened was, that's how bad he is. He took something that you can't mess up and messed it up, Joe. And no fooling, when I was doing the image work for this week's uh, episode, Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, there's not many pictures of old Spinny out there. No, there isn't. No, no. Uh, It's almost like they want to hide his existence. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, (laughs) the stupidity of his costume I really like. Imagine the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz, but green. But also he decided to have another gimmick that he also liked the planet Saturn. And that's the spinner. Right, right. Hey, listen, if you're going to go and say how cool costumes is, uh, the Mindworms crop top with that stripe, it just, it draws your eyes to where it needs to be. Oh, yes. Away from his giant head. I can only imagine. It's like, how can I get people to stop staring at my giant head? I know. Wear a woman's crop top. Maybe he's just so bulky, Joe. So bulky that he just expanded it. You know what I mean? You don't know. You don't know. I I, I mean. There's a lot I don't know. Mind worm, I would say fashion icon, Joe. He is wearing cut off jorts. And what appear to be Birkenstock. So, again, you know, you make your decision when the uh, post goes up, the voting goes up. Uh, you know what to do. You know what to do. Uh, so, there's that. Hey, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have an art attack, Joe. And our good buddy DJ sent in. He's like, the reason I traveled deep into New Jersey today was to meet Pat Broderick. Got this great Swamp Thing sketch from him. I couldn't believe it when he handed it to me. Um, I have stuff from Pat Broderick, and I and I like it. But this one is absolutely amazing. And this looks like Broderick Brodericking at peak Broderick in this with the lines and everything. I'm actually jealous of this piece. And DJ chose a great choice uh, for this character for what uh, Broderick does. 
that's absolutely beautiful. Um, and this may sound weird, but I like the root work on this. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really pops on it. Uh, the the crook up of the left eye, I guess. Right. It's very unique and eye catching and everything else. Uh, it's a nice, very uncolored, shaded piece. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also, Joe, somebody sent uh, oh the same person as last week. Saw some um, on Twitter. Sent another art question, Joe. So we kind of have a mailbag, and uh, he wrote. I also have another art question. I've always wondered about getting sketches at cons. Do you have like a spiral bound sketchbooks you drop off with artists or do you have a portfolio you put the loose sketches into? Um, I I do have a sketchbook, which is almost done. I only have like two spots left in it and I've only been doing it since 1990, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so they do the spiral and they do like a, like a normal book and everything like that. I find artists like the spiral better because they'll lay flatter to draw, Mm -hmm. which is a great thing. But here's the thing. I do both now. And I do think when my sketchbook fills up, I may be done, but there's, and getting the, the loose pieces on artboard or whatever, but there's pros and cons to both. I will say this when it comes to a sketchbook, uh, they know you're getting it put in a sketchbook. So artists sometimes, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Obviously, no, you're not going to flip it at the show, which is the new thing, like to buy artwork and then then flip it. It's in your sketchbook because they know, you know, you're not going to be cutting pages out of it or they'll notice that you've cut pages out of your sketchbook. And the other thing that I noticed is when I get a really good sketch, I always like uh, when I see an artist flip through the sketchbook because he'll be like, oh, like, look at this. And then he'll see like somebody who crushed it. And then they kind of feel like, oh, I got to one up this guy. So they kind of do that. So that's really nice. But that being said, you can only leave a sketchbook with one person at a time. So when you go to a con and you're like, you get to a table and they're like, oh, well, you're the, you're the fourth person who got here. So you'll be fourth on my list. Now, what do you do with that sketchbook? Do you take it to the next person and try to get something and then hope that they're not doing it when you're open for the guy who you really want it it becomes a pain that being said the our artwork uh artboard is nice because you could just get you could hand artboard to them or artists have it and you could you know frame that and hang it but then sometime they're kind of like oh is this guy you know gonna like take this and you know i'm charging him 150 for this piece so you can take it put it on ebay and charge 300 and I, I i don't know if you get what i'm trying to say there's both ups and downs to both i say do whatever you kind of like i do both now as as i go to cons so you uh as todd make a lot of really good points the only thing that i could add in all of this is what do you want to do with your sketches? Mm-hmm. Do you have a thought? Do you just want to go to a convention and get as many sketches from as many people as you can? Mm-hmm. You know, there's people like I know Todd will sometimes get like a bunch of different. I don't haven't you gotten like a bunch of different artists doing a Jonah hacks, right? Yes. So that would be if that is a plan, I want to have a whole bunch of people do X and whoever X is. I think a book works better unless you plan on displaying it somewhere else, right? Because that's the other thing is, is what do you want to do with your sketches? How do you want to display them? Mm -hmm. 
because you're right. Because I, I artists do love a good themed sketchbook. Yeah, and that's what they call it a themed sketchbook. It's like, hey, I'm doing this is only going to be Beast from X Men, whatever. Do you want to do them like the furry Beast, the old Beast? That's kind of a cool, and they kind of like that. Um, but like when I started it all, I got a sketchbook just because I had no idea. And then as I went on, I just wanted to finish it. So it just became a labor of, I want to finish it where now I'm of the mind. I just like art on loose board that I can put in a portfolio, which is just like a sketchbook, but you can move, but you can move stuff around or you can have it framed and put on the wall. So yes, it really comes down to, to like your, what you really want to do. And you make some, some really good points. And, and that's the thing is, I feel as though we may not have answered his question, but I also feel as though we may have directed Gu- him. Gu- guided him to like what he, like now you have to figure out what you want to do. Like I can't answer this question for you. You know what I yeah. mean? Because I, like I said, I'm not much of a sketch guy. We've discussed it here on the show before many, many years ago when we went to a convention and Art Balthazar and Franco were doing sketches in that tiny Titans design. I just wanted them to have a whole bunch of like, I wanted them to do as many of the JSA people as I possibly could get them to do, right? Mm-hmm. Then the next time that I went, I'm like, I want the Flash and I want a bunch of the Flash's rogues, right? Right. And the next time that I went, my kid was there. He was dressed up as Proto Man. I'm like, you know Proto Man from Mega Man? They're like, no, but if you show me a picture, I could figure it out. And I showed him a picture and they did a fantastic job, right? Mm-hmm. And those are things that are framed and put up on my wall, right? I, I, I'm on my kid's wall, and now we're at the point where he's like, I'm not a superhero guy. I want Pokemon stuff up on my wall, so we got to figure that out. But, and, Joe's, and Joe's like, I'll take all those pictures. Absolutely, I will. But if and when those days come back and I go and do sketches again, you know, I might do stuff for me. I might get a sketchbook and say, like, hey, artist, draw me Kang, right? And then I got a whole Kang sketchbook, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, there's one guy who I like, and I know he shows up at a bunch of conventions and I like his work and I'm like, I want a sketchbook and let's run through Spider-Man's rogues gallery. Yep. You know, you draw uh, whoever you like. And then I just got to book all of those, you know? Yeah. And like, as I was saying about a sketchbook, you know how I said they like the spiral ones because they lay flat. If you don't get one that lays flat, like my sketchbook, which is just a hardbound book. Um, one of the cooler things that I had a artist tell me, and he was left-handed, is he goes, he goes, what you should do is have a left-handed sketchbook and a right-handed sketchbook if you have like a hardbound. Because of the way they lay, they will they will use the sketchbook, they will turn it the other way and use it so it opens up so your your elbow isn't bumping. It's kind of a weird thing. But if you talk to a left-handed artist, they'll know what they're talking about. I've learned so much weird stuff over the years doing sketches. It's so bizarre. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, if you listeners have any more questions like this, obviously feel free to contact Todd. If you go to a convention and get some sketches done, uh, you know, be sure to share them on social media, tag Todd's Art Attack on them, and we'll uh, share them and discuss them with the rest of the world. Yep. Uh, So, of course, while you're over at longboxheroes.com as well, be sure to check out our store where you can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Got them sitting right here in the office, ready to be shipped out to you at a moment's notice. Uh, Sign up for our Patreon. It's the beginning of the month. Perfect time to sign up for the Patreon. Um, You know, you're going to get all that back content, whether it be all the movie shows that we've done, 
uh, the Mel Brooks movies, the Six Never Seen movies, the current Piro Mounties, the films of, uh, and I don't want to say avant-garde, but indie filmmaker Mark <laughs> Piro. Uh, of course, all the previous uh, episodes of Previewing the Past, looking at 30 years, 30 years ago's previews catalog. And we have all the scans of the previews going up. This week, as you listen to this, March 1992 is going to be up there for all levels on the Patreon. That was the book. That was the one. That was the toughest one to get. So many people were claiming that was the first appearance of Spawn. <laughs> and it was fetching first appearance of Spawn prices. Right. Um. So that's going to be a very interesting one to record this week. Obviously, the $5 and up folks get the uh, bonus shows in like a two-week tiered level before everyone else. And they also get After Dark two days before everyone else. So they get the uh, shows in the correct listening order, which reminds me, I got to do that. Uh, <laughs> also, you could sign up or you can make any and all of your purchases through the Amazon banner at the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, Longbox Heroes, telling you that Amazon exists, you would not know that they did. Uh, I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the advertising fee. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases the Amazon clicked through this past week is someone is going through the Kindle editions of the Anne Rice uh, Vampire Lestat books. Uh, this week purchasing Prince Lestat, the Vampire Chronicles, and Prince Lestat and the Realms of Atlantis. I'm an exit to Eden man myself. Oh, uh, gotcha. <laughs> No, nothing nothing says uh, pure sensuality like Dan Aykroyd in a gimp mask. And don't Rosie O'Donnell, too. Ah, listen, I'm more of an Aykroyd guy. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody also purchased a Motorola One 5G Ace phone, as well as a military-grade drop impact case for the same phone. I'd make a joke, but I'm not going to. About right. uh, going to a war-torn areas. And uh, somebody also purchased through the click through the uh, first trade of a nice house on the lake. Uh, well, if you. that was you, go to your store this weekend and uh, purchase issue seven. Yep. Uh, and if you don't believe me, read this trade paperback and then you're going to be compelled to. Right. And uh, I guess that's it before we get into uh, our little bit of TV talk, right? Exactly. And I know as we record this, there's already preview screenings for the Batman out there. Yep. Um, you know, I'm not really sure how much you could spoil a movie about Batman. I think every story has been told about it, but we will be seeing it before we record next week uh, to discuss it on next week's episode. I hope uh, they do his origin again. Well, listen, that's that's the one thing. If you don't know Spider-Man's origin, you certainly don't know Batman's origin. True. So uh, the only TV we had this week was uh, Legends of Tomorrow. So I'm going to let you kick things off, if that's okay. Sure, sure. For uh, the Emmy-nominated, hopefully, uh, <laughs> penultimate episode to uh, the, uh, the Legends of Tomorrow, where, uh, as we left off, uh, what was the name of the computer? My brain just froze up. Gideon? Gideon. Gideon was stabbed. Physical Gideon was human Gideon was stabbed. Um, by uh, Robit Astra. So they rush her onto the uh, ship, and Evil Gideon is there, and they end up uh, 
trying to get her to the med bay, but because there's no, you know, uh, computer there, they don't have a doctor. So they're like, we have to fire up evil Gideon. And, uh, but they use a code that they can't, she can't kill them because there's a Gideon on there and she can't commit, you know, she can't destroy herself. So that's where we get through the, like, uh, the stalemate thing. And uh, they end up fixing her up and they try to work out a compromise through a series of events. They have one room that they can all stay in where she can't hurt them. But as long as they're with Gideon around the ship, they're fine. So Gideon and Gary go to talk to uh, AI Gideon and they end up saying, well, if you want to save the the timeline, what if they retire and you go do it? And, uh, you know, that way everybody's, they get to go home, get to do your thing. And they end up, uh, they end up going, no, like we don't trust her. So they end up saying, what if we show you a hint of your future one by one? So, you know, that AI Gideon didn't kill you. Um, and they're like, okay, we'll do this, but it's more of a ploy to figure out how to take out, uh, AI Gideon and like this whole plan that they have to get a, a time, the time to risk time travel device charged up. So they each see their, their kind of like futures and everything. And they're all happy except for Zari. Zari doesn't like hers because she goes back to being just a shallow influencer. And we get to see some of the other ones like, uh, Ava and, uh, with her daughter, with uh, Sarah and everything, which was kind of nice. I, I liked all that. We got to see Nate with some really good uh, wig work and goatee oh, stuff. Oh, boy. <laughs> what? Um, so in the end, uh, they end up, uh, a, uh, Gideon ends up finding out that they're trying to, uh, you know, get around stuff. So she ends up, like, you know, trying to, to attack them again. And then human Gideon goes, I, I know what we're going to do. We're going to send all these people back. But all stay that way. There's some humanity, and you know y- you have the logic. We'll we'll kind of one captain, one AI back the way the old days used to work, and they all kind of agree to it. And Astra ends up making keys to John Constantine's house in in Hades. That's like, oh, we can all meet up there, and we all have a copy. We can have parties and be friends, even though we're on all these different timelines and everything. Um, in the end, they end up s- sending them off. But with Dr. Davies, they, they, they're going to save his friend. But they're like, oh, we can't. It's, you know, fixed, you know, or, or it's this thing. How are we going to do it? So Gideon goes, all right, I'll save him. Brings him in, makes a robot. We, we end up finding out that he's a robot. Right, right. We don't know that. But right. we, we know something's up. Because Dr. Davies, and there's other stuff, but I just had to interrupt you here, yep. where Dr. Davies has, like, this whole little poem that he talked mm-hmm. about that him and Alan would say to each other, right? right. Essentially, more, like, I don't have the whole thing written down, but it's like, no matter where we go, no matter what happens, I'll always be waiting for you when you get there, sort of yep. thing. You'll be and, you and I'll be me. Yes, and he says that to Alan, who shows up, and Alan seems confused. Mm-hmm. And we don't know something's up, but something's up. Dr. Davies knows something up, but does a real good job of hiding it. Right. Right. And it's a, when, cause Gary stays in the ship with human Gideon. Mm-hmm. And this is where we start to see the cracks in their relationship where human Gideon is kind of like dumbing things down just to kind of placate Gary. 
And Gary's like, never do that. Even though Gary's kind of like, you know, I don't want to say a dumb dumb, but he's more naive than anyone else in the cast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, never dumb things down, you know, kind of be you is what I love about you. And, you know, be you and tell me everything that's going on. And this is when human Gideon says, like, Alan is a robot. I just did it because, you know, I can't save real Alan because he's a fixed point in time and I can't mess with that. Um, and obviously the fact that now human Gideon has lied to Gary and the rest of the legends, this begins a beef between human Gideon and Gary, AI Gideon starts playing the two of them against each other. And as soon as AI Gideon says to Gary, oh, human Gideon's waiting for you in the armory. I'm like, well, Gary's getting sucked out the airlock Mm -hmm. and Gary gets sucked out the airlock. Dr. Davies realizes that his Alan is a robot, pops the thing out of the back of his head, and is like, I'm going on the quest to save him, essentially to mess up the uh, fixed point in time. Right, but the whole thing is a fixed point in time. If you go, if you're not Sarah Lance who can survive and regenerate, you're going to get killed. Yeah. So I have a feeling he's going to go off and get killed trying to save Alan, and then the legends have to go, like you know, because next week is the... Uh, the season finale. Um, I will say this about this episode. Um, I honestly felt if like they wanted to, like this could have been the end of the legends, like as a show, like they're like, everybody gets to go home, but we all have this key so we can meet up if we want to possibility for further, further adventure. Do you know what I mean? So I need to, I need to interrupt you there before you go off on your thing. Okay. Um, so you were kind of joking at the beginning of the show and through the course of the show that this was like their four Emmy consideration episode. And I didn't really get those vibes from this episode. But the bit where they get all the keys and they're like, all right, well, we're going to meet up once a week and we're going to have dinner. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, how about we do uh, Fridays at like nine o'clock? And they're like, well, uh, Nate and Zaria are like, well, that's where we're going to go have dinner with uh, Zari's dad. <laughs> so we can't really mess that up because I'm really trying to work on that relationship. And uh, that I forget who says, it's like, you know what? Let's do Wednesdays. Nothing beats a midweek party. How about eight o'clock? Is that Eastern or Central time? And then Gary is like, oh, I guess you can find it wherever. Chi- uh, never mind. Yeah, I'm the seat. Was- <laughs> I thought that was great. That is a great gag. But my reasoning for the uh, joking for your Emmy consideration is like everybody, like they tr- they get smaltzy and try to have like, okay, here's Sarah and Ava's like moment where they see that they have a little girl, like how like they adopt or whatever, and it's like, oh, here's that touching moment, and then like, uh, 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 you know, Ava, uh, not Ava, uh, Astra and what's his face, they're like, oh, like they have their moment, and he like he's all sly, and they have a touching moment, and then Spooner's like, oh, I get to go home with my mother, but I'll never see my friends again, that breaks my heart, I'm like, it just seems like they were, like, everybody was supposed to, like, trying to have that, like, emotional, emotional beat, if you get my meaning, but, but they didn't, because Barat got to be, like, a children's musician, was happy, right, Uh, Nate, Nate, Nate got to wear in the history of the show, maybe the absolute worst facial hair prosthetics I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's saying something for and, legends. And when it comes to this show, that covers a lot of ground. Yep. And, uh, like, Nate was okay. He's like, you know, like, I never told anyone I was going to call my book that. And then he's like, 
of all the stuff that I've done, you know, the only thing I'm going to be remembered for was telling everybody else's story. But that's not that bad. I felt as though, like, all the ladies of the show were the ones kind of getting, like, this monkey's paw version of, like, a happy ending. But they weren't because they they all end up getting the happy ending because, except for Zari, because Zari doesn't want to be the influencer. Like, she thought that was shallow. That's the one that I like. It was like everybody seemed to get it. But once they make made the copies of the keys, it's all a happy ending. Because they were like, oh, like Spooner was like, oh, I, I, I get to live with my mom, but I never get to see my best friend Astra again. Well, then I get to because of the keys. You know what I mean? So it, it, it just it just seems everybody but Zari had all that. What I'm trying to say it was like it seemed like they all really tried to have that um, I'll always be me and you'll always be you moment. Where like, uh, even like he was singing the song and he was like on the Muppet show or everything. It was like that, oh, like look at these beautiful moments. Or everybody was supposed to have like trying to either have a deep or touching moment. I don't know. It's just, I was like, you're, you're trying very hard. And I do feel like they're like, this may be our last, our next episode might be our last episode. And we're never going to get like an Emmy. And, and I know it's joking, but let's try with some of this acting. And I was like, it's just, it's, it's legends of tomorrow. Funny to me, man. Yeah. That's all. I know you were joking, but, and again, I didn't feel as though them reaching for it. Cause again, you can't put Nate in that beard and mustache and be like, yeah, we're going to submit this for someone to give us an award <laughs> for uh, hair and makeup. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Get a Razzie for hair. You beat and me to it. I was gonna say, do they give Razzies to TV shows for <laughs> hair and makeup? Oh, they don't because they're mostly movies. Yeah. Can we take these two episodes and string them together as a movie and submit it? Oh, that would be great. Yeah. But I, uh, I uh, so I guess we only have one more episode of uh, Legends of Tomorrow, right? Right. I don't even know if we've like if they've announced that it's renewed. You know what I mean? Which well. They use- I think I saw them saying stuff that, like, they're working on the next season, but I don't think there's, like, anything concrete that's been announced, you know? I think they're just getting ready. Yep, they're writing those scripts, getting those wigs ready. Right. I don't have to spend a lot of time. Like, well, there's 30 seconds. Now we have the rest of the day to do whatever we want. (laughs) We've done all the wigs for the season. That's right. They're just pulling, you know, clogs out of different people's drains. Yeah. So I guess that's everything. Yeah. So everyone, thank you very much for uh, bearing with us, listening, hanging in there, having fun, listening along, all that sort of jazz. Uh, Episode 596, Long Box Heroes for Todd. This is Joe saying uh, we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named Network.
the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.